two, one. So when momentum gets going in something one way, regardless of the valuations, often there's a catalyst that uh, kind of submarines the rally. That's what's happening to the chips. Will it be a buy-the-dip opportunity? General Mills, I mean, no one's having breakfast cereal anymore. Jerome is speaking at 9.30. Not much we could do about that. But this is pre-market prep on a Wednesday. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. We're in the red by nine and three quarters handles at 4409. Kind of a, a, a continuation of, of that sell off late in the day. Uh, the buck up slightly, almost 17 cents, 102.30. Bonds back above 128. They're up just about a little bit over a half a point. Crude down 23 cents, 67.46. Bearing down on that 67 support, will it hold? Gold down 780 at 1960, about to fall into the 1800 handle. Silver going the same way, down 26 and a half cents at 2269. Bitcoin still above 30K, a couple lows at 30K. We'll be keeping an eye on that. That's down $390 at 30,315. Let's bring in Triple D. Triple D, I'm trying to see when this NVIDIA news broke. And, uh, I mean, the street's running with this. Uh, did you uh, – yeah, it broke this morning with uh, – excuse me, last night. Uh, yeah, it was what last do you think night, about this? After 6 o'clock. So it broke yep. last night after 6 o'clock. Immediately, I was skeptical of the headline, but they were not skeptical in the markets. The algos hit first and asked questions later. They started hammering NVIDIA on this. Mitch, give us the headline here first so they know what we're talking about. All right. So chip stocks experience a pre-market decline due to reports of potential new export restrictions to China, including a halt in shipments of chips made by NVIDIA and other companies to Chinese customers. And this could come as soon as in July here. Um, also stated, of course, this was reported by the Wall Street Journal. Just want to state where the source came from. Incredible. And a lot of people are mentioning this more with AI, but it's overall all chip stocks. It's all chip stocks. Now, one thing to consider, pun intended, is the language in this report says considering. It doesn't say imminent, doesn't say this is happening for sure. It says considering. So they consider a lot of things in the government. Lots of consideration. Does this mean it's actually going to happen? I'm skeptical that this actually happens. I don't think it will. The market is not, you know, but the market is scared. And one thing to consider, the consider word is going to be the consider word of the day, um, is that these have had significant run-ups. The valuations on these are all stretched. So it's an excuse to take profits. Do they come in and buy the dip on these things? They already did. They already did a little bit. 
Yeah, I don't know. A little bit, maybe. I got a little bit excited. Somebody hitting NVIDIA down to under 400. So they bought the dip to a little bit, but it's down 15 bucks. I kind of think that they might buy the dip on some of these stocks. I don't know if I am. I'm going to wait and see. And that's the whole thing with trading. It's like, be prepared. And when the tape starts showing what you think it might show, that's when you strike. So am I coming in on the open and just buying these things blindly? No. But if they stabilize and then start to hook, even on the intradays, we talk about that, that's where I would strike. You know, if they stabilize, you know, where they stop going down, start to look like, oh, there's some dip buyers coming in. And NVIDIA be your leader. Maybe NVIDIA starts to, you know, bounce. And then AMD starts bouncing. And then the, all the other chips start bouncing. So I would say I think there's going to be a dip buy here. Let's wait to see. 400 is a logical point for uh, for NVIDIA. AMD is through that triple bottom right now, 107.20. Yeah. We've talked about that. Does it open through that or does it put a quad bottom in? Watch for all those things. But I'm skeptical of this headline. Sometimes you get a headline, they're lowering guidance. You're like, well, this isn't good. This is not that headline. This is the administration considering you know, doing something that they probably never will do. So I think it's an overshoot, in my opinion. The problem is, is that none of these stocks are cheap and they're all valuations are stretched. So it's not like you can just jump in here with two hands and like, yeah, yeah, I want to buy these. So I think there's an opportunity going to be an opportunity here. You just got to time it right today. Uh, the, I'll just go through uh, NVIDIA and then AMD. And then if you guys want to do technicals, anything else, uh, the NVIDIA, uh, there was a small little gap that needed to be filled. There was a high at 9530 uh, back on June 12th. Uh, Pre-market low didn't quite get there. Pre-market low was just under uh, 96.50. But just the chart, just a 15-minute chart right now is like people are like, I should have bought this at 400. I should have bought this at 401. So got some opportunity here. I don't know if you're going to see that pre-market low on this one. The rebound off the high, I think I'd be more interested in that. That comes in at 407.09. So if you think you're going to get a gap fill. But if you look at the upper right chart, I mean, yeah, even what this candle is today, I mean, it's, it's like a dent in this rally. I mean, you'd have to... You'd have to really be a bear to say, okay, this is it. One 15-point down day. This is it. The rally's over in NVIDIA. AMD, Dennis gave you the great level. There was a triple bottom uh, at the 107.30 area. Can it recoup that? 107 to 107.20. So the setups are there. Uh, you know, if you're there. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I mentioned that I feel like this is happening again on NVIDIA, and it's a clear example, right, is let's say if you were short on let's say on monday right you you come in yesterday you're thinking i'm killing it it's down to 404 i had 420s right yeah. we're good and then yeah. what happens yesterday it goes right back to your number and then you get scared out a lot of the times yeah. you get shaken on a move like that you get out of your short and then you come back in today and you see it right back down to 400 you're like wow you guys just thanks for the second chance on exactly. this on this Wall Street Journal considering article. I mean, <laughs> but the this, thing there, though, if there's is, ever yeah, like this, you, you know, if there's ever a time to fade news, back it feels like this is it. Like yeah. this is, you know, I think this is just. I, I, I'm shocked that it's down fifteen dollars on this. I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, I can't believe it's down twenty on this at one time. I'm like, really? I'm like, do we really think they're going to do this? I don't think they're going to do this, but maybe. You know, not anything can happen. I, I think this is the first negative, though, catalyst that we've had in these stocks for a while now. 
Well, it's a good point there too, because we keep seeing fundamental, you know, or good that blow away earnings reporting on NVIDIA. They're coming out, you know, with this headline or this headline. So you're right. And it's an excuse to take profits. People want That's an excuse what I to take profits. Is. What I will tell you, you know, and people will say, oh, you can ignore headlines. Headlines don't matter. Headlines are everything. Like it's so insane, in my opinion, to just say, well, I don't follow any headlines at all. Because they don't matter. Why do you think you think NVIDIA is down? Somebody tweeted last night at me and they're like, well, the chart was setting up for this. So you knew this was coming. Give me a break. <laughs> that is an absolute <laughs> joke. Did wow. you know that bounce Give was going to happen break. yesterday? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what the, I give me, the charts knew this. The stock was up 12 bucks yesterday. Give <laughs> me a break. Yeah. So what I will just say, this is more proof. And I'm proof in the pudding. Headlines matter, folks. Headlines drive price. Now we can use technicals after the headline breaks to think about where we're heading. You know, and that gives us a logical stopping point on NVIDIA, maybe of $400. Maybe not. Maybe it just goes through that. So technicals are still valid, but you've got to do the combo approach. I'm going to say it again. With bright trading, we've seen hundreds of traders coming in. The traders that only use technical analysis, very few succeed. I'm not joking. Very few. It's the traders who succeed that are taking everything, using all the tools, using yeah. the news, using filters and scanners to find different ideas, using technical analysis, mm -hmm. using all those things. The combo approach is the best approach. Technicals are very valid. And by all means, I'm not saying, if you only use technical analysis and you've been making money for five years, 10 years, day trading, continue to do it. But I'm saying if you're a newer trader or if you're struggling to find your edge, don't just put all your energy into charts. Yes, charts can help. You've got to also be following headlines. You've got to follow the narratives. You've got to follow the stories because headlines drive price. It's why we do this show with Benzinga. You've got a good news source, Benzinga Pro. You know, and like we talked about this before, and a lot of our traders subscribe to it. But stock gets upgraded, it's going up. It doesn't, it, people say, oh, that doesn't matter. Maybe 10 years from now, it doesn't matter. 10 minutes from now, it very much matters. So I guess if you're a long, long-term investor and you're just looking at things, you can probably ignore headlines. But if you're a trader, you absolutely need to follow the headlines. And just to put a bow on this uh, NVIDIA the chip discussion, it you know we're here talking about you know buying the dip and where support. I think what the the bigger narrative for today will be is this: is this going to shake some of the big boys out of the stock? Like it's mm -hmm. just, you know, the people with the big positions, the institutions that, you know, to them, the difference between like 404 and 405 and 415, 420, it, if they're long at 250, like, are they going to, are, are the big boys going to dump? And we've traded 1.7 million shares. That's pretty good pre-market volume. We have the reaction. So what they'll probably do is they'll say, okay, yeah, this is news. We got to digest it. Well, you know. We want to sell. We're not. We're not going to sell into this, and they'll come up with a new plan because they got new information. So, we'll see what happens today. As we said, we got the pre-market low in at uh, three ninety-six fifty. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad level. And if you're really thinking they're just going to rip this thing back up, your rebound high. It stopped twice on the fifteen-minute chart at four hundred seven twenty-two. That's all the information that we have so far. And uh, we'll see. We got more liquidity. It's going to be a big volume day in NVIDIA. Let's see uh, if the bulls 
can come and, back in. And just to use this as more of a teaching tool here, and I love, you know, Joel's technical analysis after the news, the move has happened. Now we start to look where we use technical analysis to see where it can go. But I'm also thinking, what kind of news is this? If this was like one of the chips lowering guidance, I wouldn't be Whole buying different dips. story. I would Whole be staying story. away from this. So the headline mm -hmm. matters because this headline isn't really that big in my opinion. It's not, and, and again, if it happens, it is, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I think this is not like a NVIDIA lowers guidance and it's down 4% in the pre-market. You know, everybody's selling chips. It's like Wall Street Journal prints an article, Wall Street Journal, very good source. But considering that there might, you know, not send, you know, and put tariffs or whatever, <laughs> we consider lots of things. So I think this, if I'm analyzing, and I always try to analyze what's the news worth. I think this is an overshoot. So I'm more inclined to buy this dip as opposed to if this was a NVIDIA lowers guidance or says something about demand looking soft or something like that, that would be a completely different story. So the type of news matters, which makes me inclined to think about buying this dip. If this was lower guidance, I would not. So that's uh, the difference. And that's why the headlines matter. All right. Well, I was uh, getting my cereal ready this morning and I realized no milk. General Mills run out of milk, it seems ooh, like it. Ooh, Let's get to it. General ooh, Mills ooh. posting Q4 earnings, beating uh -huh. the adjusted EPS estimates, but falling short of the sales expectation. The company expects organic net sales to increase 3 to 4% in fiscal year 24. General Mills did increase their quarterly dividend by 9% and adjusted EPS to rise by 4 to 6% on constant currency and taking a hit right back down this Boy, quarter was fine this quarter yes they missed sales it was okay but I, to our point yesterday why do you want to own these stocks like kellogg's catches the upgrade and i talked about this trade on the, on the closing show <laughs> kellogg's oh. catches the upgrade from goldman sachs with an 83 oh, price target i gift. didn't read the note but i was like what the hell Kellogg. Kellogg's. You think Kellogg's is going to have a 25% move up here? Like for no reason whatsoever in a 5% interest environment? Why? So, and they could not stop buying this off the open yesterday. They're like buying it in the pre-market. It's going 67. It's going 68. It was trading almost to 69 in the pre-market. Like it was, you won't see that. On the, well, yeah, it's there. Yeah, so it's 68. It's in the 68. So I was like, I'm shorting this right, right off here. the hop. I'm like, this is just dumb money fine so i'm short in this so i threw my opg opening only order which will give me the opening print or kills the order i threw out a 67.90 to short then i threw out a 68.45 and a 68.75 i think it was so three levels you know looking like that if it opened up at 69 i'd get them all and i got one tranche i had the first one but i had opened at the opening tick at 68 i think 36 uh -huh. and it was down 60 cents in six seconds. I by the time I brought it up, I was I could just lift the offer for an easy 60 cents. It was just a ridiculous overshoot. So I, again, it's just that narrative I've got going in is like, why are you buying food stocks in this type of environment? So I think there's overhead supply. I think it's kind of the stock that people don't want right now. I mean, this just doesn't seem to be a reason to pay 23, 24, 25 times earnings for food stocks. When we can get interest rates and T-bills of 5.3% or whatever it is now. So, I mean, if interest rates start going down, these stocks become more attractive. But these are like bonds to a certain extent. And they're going to trade off interest rates to a certain extent as well. So keep that in mind. General Mills here, quarter was fine. But this is not a stock that they want right now. 
Is a dip going to get bought on this? Maybe. WBA dip did not get bought yesterday, though, so that's a little bit of a tell. Is it going to bounce right back? Maybe. Is there some support like 75? Maybe. But it's got a 2.83% dividend. What's it trading? What's the P on this poppy? General Mills. It's it's a little different probably now. Probably 20s, mid 20s, probably. I just wanted to make uh, just one uh, just one uh, teaching thing regarding this Kellogg too. I mean the th- uh, the issue closed uh, the previous day at uh, 65 and a half, right? And you know you had a seller get 66. You know you had sellers at 66 and a quarter. So all those sellers, a lot a, a lot of the the orders that are on the book are not going to be canceled because of a, uh, of a of a Goldman Sachs upgrade. They're like, they leave those orders out there. So they had to open that at a price. I don't know who the buyers were that thought this thing was going to 70, but oh, maybe buy stops, Crazy. people over short. But think of the momentum that you would need that, all you know, whoever bought that thing, you were almost wrong immediately. No, no, you weren't not almost wrong. You were wrong <laughs> immediately. And I was right immediately to short it to you. So sometimes it's just common sense wins in that case. Filling the gap already. Like, look at your ATR to your point, Joe. What's the ATR? What's the average trading range on Kellogg's? A okay. buck, maybe? It's going to open up three bucks. Yeah, about a buck twenty, a buck. Buck three dollars yeah, on a, a buck food twenty stock? somewhere in there. And it get, getting back half of its losses from the last month and a half because Goldman thinks it's going to go to. $83? Oh, yeah. Well, fairy tale, <laughs> rainbow world, and everything is good? Come on. Buck 27. Common sense, folks, and wins over everything. Buck 27. Buck 27. And conversely, I mean, I, I, you know, now you're just making me want to buy this dip in GIS because the average daily range in that is a buck That's 30. a point, Joel. And I mean, I if I was if it was on my shopping list, I would buy it. It's not on my shopping list because I just hate consumer staples right now. It's only 18 times earnings, so it's at a market multiple, really. Food stock. I mean, yeah, you know, the only reason would be that this is an overextended move in the quarter wasn't that bad. So if you want to take a shot on it, I won't argue with you. It's good support at 75, too. Right this here. Kind yep. of a, I'd rather own a T-bill at 5% than this one. If I'm going to go into stocks, it's going to be for growth. It's not going to be for declining cereal. I'll tell you one thing. There was more gold there than just the talk on the cereal. There was also a lot on the average true range that maybe you guys can learn a little bit about. If you haven't done so before, definitely look it up. All right, let's move over to Boeing shares as they are going up here following advances in contract talks while Spirit Aero System announced a new four-year contract proposal agreed upon by the bargaining committee of IMN Union. The final vote will take place on June 29th, but Boeing starting to get a little bit of a bounce. I was looking at the XLI yesterday, big push up on XLI and industrials. I kind of like this Boeing chart. I just missed that little pullback, the 206 trend line, now bouncing back towards 212. I bought it last night on the headline. Oh, look, headlines make money again. Um, because <laughs> I'm like, SPR, well, this is why they knocked down 10 bucks. This sounds pretty good. So Boeing literally sat there for about a minute and a half after this headline. Yeah, it was a and good opportunity. And I'm like, I'll buy some of this. I'm like, I think it's going to move. So it popped up and then it, and then in CNBC breaks it. And then it's, you know, it pops up two bucks after that. 
But um, you know, it's you know, tough three bucks. It was down like six or seven on it's up three bucks on this. Tough tape today too, though. It's so tough, tough to... stock too. Yeah, tough this stock is... too. So it's hard to just say it's gonna get it all back. Two fourteen to two fifteen major resistance on this. I've already sold it. I took it for the quick scalp. But I mean SPR and it's talks, it's not a deal, right, Mitch? It's just talks, yes, right? It's exactly it's just yeah, uh, so it's proposal just talks. agreed talks upon down. final approval twenty ninth. That's when the yeah. vote is yeah. taking place. Yeah. I got a I got a level it's for tomorrow, you. If you're looking for more, uh two twelve ninety-nine. Uh that was a high that you had just a few days ago. But just a quick segue here, because I see people mention the fires here. Uh Dennis, man, oh man, I went for a walk yesterday around my air. I mean, man, you guys are just sending smoke everywhere. What is going on? I mean, it was even like near my house. I could see it, it was that thick. I mean, I can't. How was it by your place? Horrible. This, it's, this is this when the I worst get a... day right now. The the worst day. I'm looking across the bay, which is about a mile and a quarter across, maybe a mile, not just over a mile across. Can hardly see one mile across right now. It is just looks like it's like the foggiest day ever. And if you step outside, it smells like my next door neighbor is having a horrible leaf fire. It is yeah, absolutely horrible out here right now. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, in, on Georgian Bay there, which I think I'm probably a couple hundred miles away from the forest fires. Wow. But it's, you know, blowing the right way today. So we have an air quality warning until Thursday night. So for the next two days, they're talking about this still happening. This is horrible, folks. This is very I don't hard. know what they yeah. can do. You know, these this there's right now, I think they said 493 out of control fires oh, across man. Canada. We need to focus on this, man. That's what it really I is. Do. It's I really agree. bad, Mitch. I and agree. I mean, I know this is why US I get upset. Trying to help. Like, what do you do? Like, you, you, the problem with Canada is we got too many bloody trees. So, you know, yeah, that's I mean, a good that's thing just... normally, but it's a bad thing when forest fires start going because mm -hmm. you're going through like, you know, like my, you know, thousands of miles of forest. And there's nothing to break it up. It's just forest. So it starts going. Yet there's so much fuel. So it's and, and when it's this dry, and that's the problem, is it's been one of the driest like Mays and Junes we've had in a long time. Like this, sometimes you see a little bit of this in August, but nothing like this. I don't ever remember go like not wanting to go outside because I can feel it. And then my kids got asthma, you did, an you asthma attack two weeks I ago. I don't think it's coincidence that he had an asthma attack. I not think at it's all. probably because we're breathing minor little bits of smoke continuously. It's one thing to go by a fire, campfire, you breathe the smoke for a half hour or whatever. But you're like, it's around us continuously right now. And it goes away for a week and then the wind blows back and it comes back here again. So well, I don't know what the solution here is, but this is a serious problem. I'll tell you one of the solutions is maybe let's not focus so much on what's going on in the Titanic and let's actually focus on what's affecting millions of people. And, and really going to affect health in the long run. Um, let's take care of those forest fires. I know I've gone through issues like that in Colorado, and this is Scary. the only reason why I don't buy in the mountains because it's just too much risk. There's yeah. just too much risk out there. I mean, obviously, trees are good for the world, but and when they for, when the fires start, it's just how do you stop it? It's just gas. Gas. I, I, yeah. It's, how do you stop and, it? And those forest fires, there's, there's no joke. It's not like you can get close to them. Um, firefighters struggle to even get that close to them because they get it's that so hot. hot right? Well, it's got to be just enormous. Imagine a whole forest burning. Yeah, exactly. You think about how hot a campfire <laughs> yeah. is. Imagine a whole it's forest not, burning. It's, it's got to be just crazy. To the faint of heart.
Yeah. You know, like I think this, I don't know what the solution, they need more rain, but the problem, bigger problem is we're going into the dry season. So usually at the end of summer, like August, you start seeing some fires because it's been, you know, dry summer months. But when you're this dry in the spring, we had like, if you drive around here, there is literally just dead grass everywhere in my area because we've had like one major rainfall in a month. So with huh. very little rain, these few fires just have you, fuel. I don't know, know if this if this is going to have an impact on lumber prices eventually. I don't know. That's like, what I was thinking. Much, you, yep. you, you don't know. Like, but mm-hmm. I mean, none of this is good for anyone. You know, in yeah. any in anything. So well, if you're looking terrible. at lumber prices, one of the stocks that I look at is WFG, and it has a pretty interesting chart right now. If you want to take a look at that, um, one thing I'll also say about that is just keep your eyes on to see what happens after this. One thing that I would love to hear is, you know, how we're talking about AI. Can AI come in here and help? Let us know where we should be uh, focusing on the fires, things like that. Tell me something smart. Uh, about AI that we could be using it for in this case. I'd be love to hear that. Uh, get All the right. robots in there fighting. Right? You know, yeah, like, Elon Musk army of firefighters that are robotic. That's what I want to hear about there AI. There you go. That would be a good thing. Hell yeah. Guess right, we go. got someone else on Georgian Bay too. Uh, yeah, you yeah, saw that across it. So I know day by day if he's in Collingwood or, you know, like the other side. So the major Georgian Bay, like I'm looking across a smaller bay. But, you know, major Georgian Bay is, you know, sets across and you normally can see across it too, like the mountains, blue mountains over there, wow. you know, and you can see the cross, you know, and, and I'm sure I'm having struggle seeing across a mile and a half. So 28 miles, forget about it. You're not seeing that. So it's, it's bad right now. It's bad. All right. Let's pivot over to Snowflake as they introduce a new large language model to extract deeper insights from documents along with advancements in platforms and speed and performance. Customers like Booking.com are utilizing now Snowflake's iceberg tables to extend performance and governance to open format data. Uh, Snowflake has been on a catalyst uh, move here, mentioning stocks like Microsoft, NVIDIA, can this push higher snow? It's been up all night. It also got a buy rating. Oh, I had it. Let's go see if we can find who the buy rating was this morning. It's Maybe a you have bunch of now on the weeklies. Um, somebody came out to buy on it today. William Blair resumed Snowflake at an outperform. Also, we got a PT raise. Lots of talk here today. Lots of analysts chiming in. Why? So, did they have an analyst there or something? I got a price yes. target yeah, yeah, raise. yesterday. That's what, that's, ah, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm stating there. Yeah, We need to know these in advance because it's funny how they run into these analyst days. And then you get all these things moving. So you've got TD Cowan raising the price target. Baird raising the price target. Mizuho raising the price target. JP Morgan raising the price target. All today. And then William oh, Blair really? outperform. Wow. So yeah. lots of analyst action here. Stock was way up this morning. Holy, they get excited, these 4 a.m. traders. Up at 182 on a day that... Tech, tech's getting hit. They buy Snowflake up five Ching's. bucks. I know. Ching. Yeah. Anyways, it's all the way back down. It's up 40 cents here now. So people just get a little bit too excited. I think you just got to do a reset on it. It had a wild day on uh, on uh, Monday. Look at that. You know, that 170s rock support, obviously, this 168 to 170. But I would see what happens at yesterday's high at 179.15. That's where I would do the reset. If it got through there, yeah, maybe we could get to the next daily high. But uh, you got the pre-market high at 182. Coming back on the downside here, 
man, I mean, if you could find a number between 170 and where we're currently trading, let me know because it's really uh, just was kind of open there the last two or three days. Longer term, it just looks like this 170 to 180 is just a huge digestion area. So if you want to be a little bit more uh, longer term, try and hold on. Let's see if uh, this 170 holds. We bust above 180, make that support test the high of the move or we crack this 170 and have some work to do on the downside to 160 but consolidation period here for snow even after all the analyst talk and the uh um upgrades and price target raises morgan stanley is hosting roblox cfo michael gunthry and cto dan uh, sturman for a discussion on artificial intelligence today and that event will take place at 12 p.m eastern Oh, wow. um, so look out for that, that of course. Uh, my man Chris Ketchy with a good article out on Benzinga. If you want to check that out and learn a little bit more about what they've been saying before of the, uh, before this, they've already kind of talked a little bit about AI, but this will be interesting today to see if this can get back up there. It's been in kind of the sideways consolidation. What are you guys seeing? Uh, I would just this is what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna well, obviously if it busts above 42. But I'll just put this chart on here, and uh, if you if you want to play with some AI fire like uh, yesterday in uh, <laughs> Unity, then go right ahead. But uh, uh, resistance at 42, we'll see if we can take that out. Right now, street not reacting to it. Of course, you do have a negative market. All right, we can keep going. We can go to the next headline here. I do have some analyst ratings. Actually, let's go to Costco. Costco is interesting. Uh, Costco is taking measures to crack down on membership card sharing fraud, aiming to increase revenues and ensure fairness of play. Of course, they're kind of taking a, a little bit of a note from Netflix, as we've seen Netflix go up by that uh, crackdown on membership sharing. Now, i got to call it to the chat out there. Who's sharing their Costco card in the chat? Don't worry. I won't tell them, but let me know in the chat. Your picture's on the card, though. This is where I'm confused is, like, I've got a Costco <laughs> card and my picture's on it. How are they, like, I guess they don't look at the picture? Yeah. I have, I have, I have real life. In? Yeah. I have real life experience. I went to Costco the other day, bought some sweet lobster tails. And uh, that, that wasn't on the list, by the way. Uh, but um, so when you go in, they just look at your card and they let you in. And then I went through the self-checkout because, you know, the lines were pretty long. And when I was in the self-checkout line, the guy asked to see my card. And I showed him my card. Then he said, flip it over. And then I flipped it over. And I'm like, ah, you know, people scamming. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I go, what do you do? We go, well, we let them buy one time. and then <laughs> They know. let them buy anyways. <laughs> they're going to let the $300 sale go out because he doesn't have the card. Oh, yeah, you can't buy any of this I think stuff. they said There's, that. The revenue is going to go down. <laughs> Don't quote me. I think he said that. I think he said that. Uh, um, unlike Netflix, the revenue actually, I believe, would go down as they check more. So they can say what they want. But trying to pick up a $50 membership and let $300 sales go out the door or, or, or like not sell. <laughs> Seems dumb to me, so I don't know. This 530 is huge. We're trading 533, 530, closed at 533. You just have a yeah, look at this, it's kind of getting into a wedge here on the monthlies. And uh, kind of if you draw this trend line coming off the top here, that's 530. You hit 530 in February, you failed. You hit it earlier in June and you failed. You snuck above it yesterday. So mm -hmm. this one gets a sustained. Oh, oh, so I said I did say it was a monthly high. 
530, big number there. See if it can hold a strong bid in Costco above 530. Never been able to wrap my head around the valuation in Costco either. So where is this thing? It was always like 30 uh, times earnings. I'll give you one or... to keep an eye out for that I might have sold a little early. BJ, I already played it for a nice little 2-3% yeah. gain um, earlier. Um, but this one's been going sideways here. And with Costco kind of getting a nice little lift above the 500, I was thinking, man, this one's a little sleepy. If it can get back above maybe 65, maybe fill that gap to the upside. I'm keeping an eye on it. BJ Wholesales. 34 times is Costco. I just can't wrap my head around that valuation. Although it's best of breed. Love to get it at like a 22, 23 times because it is Costco and it's best of breed. But that may never happen. I don't think it's probably ever happened. Industry average is 20. They're best of breed. But 34 times just seems too rich for my blood. BJ? BJ? 15.8. On BJ, that's not too yeah, bad. Yeah, they're not best of breed. They're worst yeah. of breed. So I mean, they uh, were up for a long time, right? They got hit yeah. really hard from that 76. That's where I'm kind of looking to see if we can catch some monthly support down here. Well, everyone goes like to Walmart. I mean, look at that Walmart chart. I've never been in a BJ's wholesale, so it's hard for me to like. I don't think they have them. I, I, don't I just, have them I just recently there. signed up, and I had Sam's for a while, but I said, you know what? Let me just try a different one. So I'll try out BJ's. Why not? All right, let's go ahead. Let's get out of this conversation. It's about 8.33. We're going to get into a great conversation coming up right now with our guests. You guys smash the like out there. Let's get right to it. I thought no better guest to come on than Frank Holmes, of course. We'll get into some airlines. We'll get into gold. We'll get into cryptocurrency, Bitcoin out there. I know there's some lovers out there. Let me know what's on your mind. You guys want to ask something? This is your chance also, team. Let's get right to it. How'd you get the nickname Bulldog? Mm. Pardon me? The real questions. Give him the the question again. He didn't hear you. How'd you get the nickname Bulldog? Bulldog. Um, I lettered in, in uh, all major sports in high school, and the mascot was a bulldog. Oh, and and I was known for uh, defense. Uh oh, uh oh, defense. But he's playing offense right now because this Frank Holmes, I'm going to tell you, is hot. Yes, <laughs> we got Bitcoin hot again. Yes. Man, if there's anybody hotter in the market than Frank Holmes, I don't know if there is because these airlines have been flying. Maybe we start there just with the airlines. Delta coming out yesterday raising guidance and looking, you know, and the stock goes up another 6% here. The, the PEs on these things have always been cheap. We've been talking about this on the show for months, that the airlines, if we don't go into a recession, these things are cheap. Jets obviously benefiting directly from that, making a new high on the year here. Frank, what's your outlook here for the airlines? Wheels up. I'm just flying in here. The only, <laughs> the, the only frustration has been um getting into new york uh, it's taking me a while i'm in new york uh, going around and doing the story on hive uh and jets so it's just perfect timing but remember in previous programs i've shared with you that two of the strongest leading indicators are purchasing manufacturers index when you want to look at commodities and when you want to look at the overall economy in America and even the globe, you want to look at jets. It's really become, a, when I've done all this regressional work on it, a significant uh, contrarian to the mainstream media. So if we take a look out when we spoke last time, I said that the airlines are basically, there's no discounting on flights. 
Uh, there's many reasons for it. Now we've come right back to pre-COVID numbers and flying. Uh, and and what you, when you go and look to book a flight, you've got to pay for it up front, not for a hotel. You have to pay for it. So your money's out of your wallet. And if you take a look at the discounts six months out and 12 months out, that tells you how strong the economy is. Are people really reluctant or afraid to go on a holiday six months from now because today the they've lost their job? They will, they will not go on a holiday. So you'll see all of a sudden discounting on the airlines. There's no discount. And last time I was on the program, there was no discount. And so that meant and we uh, that stronger economy. And I also said to you that the your listeners, that in the third year of a presidential election cycle, that when the president is a Democrat and Congress is dominated by Republicans, the market is up like 95% of the time, something like 8%. Well, that's defying that. And so you've got to get be contrarian. Jets is saying that the economy is stronger than we think. Um, it will maintain. The only headwind that I see is really PMI. Purchasing manufacturers index is very weak in China again. It had a big surge. Then it's, it's when it went below 50 in March, you saw copper fall, steel prices fall, oil prices fall. Guess what's good for the airlines? Falling oil prices. That's even better profit-wise. So not only is the consumer booking and paying full fare, the airlines are now getting this margin cushion with oil falling. So this is a very positive scenario uh, for the overall industry. It seems like it's been definitely a, a good time. Uh, I know that you have this chart here that kind of explains how U.S. airlines have doubled the performance of the market so far this year. I don't think a lot of people were maybe thinking about this at the beginning of the year, but definitely a big opportunity here to yeah. even get certain stocks down near the pandemic lows, right? Yeah. Um, certain ones were right. right right down to those levels, and that gave a giant opportunity, I think, to jump right back into this trade if you were able to if you didn't get it in the pandemic, of course. And now we're seeing them continuing higher with guidance going higher. I remember the first one was kind of United that came out with good guidance. Now we're seeing Delta continue that. American holding on and, and ripping to the upside. It, it just seems to me like, you know, we're not going to see a turnaround even in the summer here. Um, record number of air passengers expected this summer also. Um, so, Frank, are we just so getting started? Yes, because Jets here was $33 before COVID. And it fell down to 11. Uh, if you recall back in 2020 when we were chatting and, and it was exploding in volume around $11, $12, Buffett capitulates and jumps out uh, right at the very bottom. Uh, everyone is saying, why is the volume expanding? We went from 40,000 shares a day in March of 2020. By April of 2020, it was 400,000 shares a day. And then by May, it was now 800,000 shares a day. So the volume and accumulation predominantly by retail, uh, the minerals of the world. And, and it went up and it, uh, all of Wall Street was negative. But what's happened is that there's a new analysis and there's social media. You guys are like part of that decentralized social media streaming and information that's not uh, NBC, CBS, uh, New York Times. This is this is growing. And, and so you're seeing another sort of thought leaders come in and your dialogue of discussion of the capital markets. It, you just can't get this on, I believe, when I watch the CNBCs or the Bloombergs. So I think it's you're very focused on stocks and information. 
uh, people are following you. This is very positive, as they would say in crypto world. You guys are the decentralized part of the media. Thank you. Love, we love you, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Edward Holmes, American businessman, investor, chief executive of High Blockchain, chief investment officer of U.S. Global Investors. Frank, you got a lot going on, but uh, I noticed uh, one of your more recent articles uh, was on uh, the Web3 and the digital transformation. I know that you uh, do this through your company, Hive Technologies, but uh what, what are we looking for here, Frank? Web3, Bitcoin, what do you have for so, us? So, so last year when we were, we bought a lot of uh, NVIDIA chips, and we purchased the NVIDIA chip that allows you to pivot. Mine Ethereum, which was at 92% margins, that went away last September. And during that period, uh, we started building out our AI. Uh, and now we're doing, I don't know, close to $3,000 a day on average um, of sort of free cash flow. So our chips, what we're lacking are these super micro servers. And as they come in, we basically move our NVIDIA chips over. And one of the other parts of the NVIDIA chips have been able to do with AI is be able to mine a lot of proof of work, smaller coins, and they have higher profit margins. And then we convert to Bitcoin and then we'll sell the Bitcoin to pay the bills. So it's really interesting. AI has been an important part of our growth. Uh, and, and I see that if we put all of these Ethereum, sorry, these, these um, NVIDIA chips today uh, and we had the microservice, we would throw off an extra $600,000 a day of free cash flow. So I, I see that's very exciting, and that's our footprint where we're going to double our uh, exahash in Bitcoin mining. But the AI is so exciting, and the great web transformation, which you guys are part of. Streaming is all part of this digital transformation. And AI, the adoption of, of chat uh, GBT is, is just unprecedented in two, in two months, 100 million downloads. Yeah, you, I have a great image here from your website. Of course, you guys can check this out. I'll give you guys the link if you guys want to check out some of these blogs that are posted by U.S. global investors, of course. And you can see here the amount of companies just stating AI right in their earnings reports. It's it's incredible the the kind of bubble that it feel like we're in here because it, it's definitely getting towards that outlook. But it doesn't mean that this bubble is going to go pop, right? I mean, this could definitely be something that can drive us higher moving forward. Uh, I, I totally agree. And I think that the NFT world will also uh, explode with this Web3 uh, and, and especially what we're seeing in the world of art. Uh, if you take a look at, and we're fortunate to buy one of those apes in the Board Apes Yacht Club, Hugo Labs, when they, they launched, they dropped 10,000 of them a couple of years ago at $200 an ape. Do you know what your $200 investment grew to? 600000 I mean, it's mind-boggling. Well, you can't speculate yeah. that where can you get that. So the that NFT art world is very disruptive to art dealers who charge 50% commission. Sotheby's is 25%. Open Seas and NFTs come at 2.5%. So it's like Uber disrupting the, the taxi cab business. So I, I think that that, is, that will continue to grow along with gaming. I think one thing that's really interesting is how maybe all these technologies can come together for like the next decade, right, Frank? That's the way I see it. I mean, Web3, uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, we're talking blockchain, we're talking AI. I think that it seems like we're going into this massive adoption of this new technology and they all kind of go together. 
Is that how you see it, Frank? I do. Uh, and, and I think right now we're going to, we're early, early in this period of AI and, it, but it's going to be big corrections as people jump in on, on, on the story, but what's key are data centers. Nothing happens in this great digital transformation without data centers. And that's something early that Hive did was to basically buy our own data center buildings, real estate, et cetera, and start building along the border of Maine. We now have up to 80 megawatts and a beautiful new data centers. So I, I think that that's going to be the primary asset. If you look at the valuations, they trade at 20 times cash flow. Uh, and, and one of my favorites, digital realty. Um, and that's more like a REIT, but it trades at 90 times earnings. It pays out a, a yield that's slightly higher than a five-year government bond. Uh, but it's, it's just really one of those great companies in this digital transformation. That's where Hive wants to be. We want to have our own data centers. We are recycling heat in, in Montreal, in, in Sweden. The plans are to complete this 95,000 square foot greenhouse. Um, so it's very exciting what you can do with three and the innovation. Frank, let's uh, let's move on to some commodity talk here. And uh, whew, gold, I don't know if you want to talk about gold, but we'll do that. First, I want to talk about copper here. And I'm looking, if you wanted to buy the dip here, copper was over five bucks uh, in 2022. Uh, dip closer to the three and a quarter area. Talk about your bullish scenario here for copper moving forward. So copper is, is in... The, the great mines of South America uh, are, are, one, they're very low grade now. And so their output is declining. Um, two, uh, the, a sweep throughout Central South America has swung to the left. And, and so that is basically causing concerns over shortages of copper. Uh, and China is behind a lot of it. And China is trying to basically have the copper only go to China. Uh, they've done this in the Congo, and and so the great concern is that we're with all this infrastructure spending and climate change concerns and the spending, you're going to need a lot of copper. So that we saw copper fall apart here earlier this year because China, which who consumes 55 percent of the world's commodities, uh, its PMI fell below 50, which surprised everyone. But like I like to say often, bad news is good news, like the tale of two cities. It was the best of times and worst of times. And every time there's this bad news like this, governments panic. They push MMT, modern monetary theory, to print the money. And two, they come out with this crazy fiscal spending um, and, and tax reallocation. So what you're seeing is that the, if you are a big proponent of climate change, you're going to need a lot of copper. And you're going to need a lot of copper for cars that are electric cars. So I think copper assets in the U.S. are going to become more valuable in Canada and the U.S. And I think that you have to take the concept that the crypto babies like to say, buy the dip, hold on for dear life, buy the dip. And, and the supply side of copper is very much constrained. And mm -hmm. any turn up in China trying to get their economy going again, uh, it takes off. Maybe there's some news that China, after seeing what happened in Russia, uh, they're all of a sudden switching horses to the G7 meeting and betting on, let's not bet on Russia. So if, if that takes place, uh, they're going to open up the spigot and copper can double from here. Mm -hmm. 
And I think one thing that's truly interesting, of course, is how EVs play into this. You kind of mentioned it right there, and I think it's something that we all need to be looking at. I've been talking about what is truly needed for the adoption, the massive adoption of EVs, right? The truth is, you need those materials, right? I mean, that's the only way we're going to get towards that massive adoption. Yeah, and you know, it's really, for me, interesting. I spoke at a, a mining conference in Quebec City. Not the easiest place to fly to. Beautiful, beautiful city. Um, got out of the Texas 104 degrees weather and got to sort of enjoy 60 degree weather of my family. But I spoke at a mining conference and the first day was gold and it was pretty subdued. The second day were all these metals needed for EV and for the the climate change spending that's going to take place. And there is basically a shortage of it. So you have to go and scour uh, around looking for assets. And the real valuable assets are going to be in the U.S. and Canada. If, if, if you're concerned about what China's been doing in Africa and in, in South America. So how do you position and think about uh, those copper assets or uh, vandium assets, all these sort of uh, rare metals. Um, and I think that we have to be really focused on them. But we had, they had 600 people fly to Quebec City. It's wow. unprecedented. And it's because of these minerals. And now, of course, uh, you've, we mentioned uh, uh, copper. Any stocks that you like, particularly in copper, any stocks that you're looking at here, uh, any names that we can be looking at, Frank? Well, jo jo Joel, yeah. Yeah, Joel asked about, um, uh, I'm, I'm biased when it comes to uh, gold for GoAU because it outperforms the GDXJ and we're celebrating this week six years and it's far outperformed, it's done the number. But if you want something that has both, then mm -hmm. you want to take a look at something like Freeport MacBoran. It gives you uh -huh. gold, it gives you copper. And and uh, and it, it's it's more volatile than Barrick or Newmont. Newmont is uh, Barrick. Barrick is saying they're looking for big copper assets now, diversifying out of gold. Um, Newmont has done that a while ago. So so it's interesting to see the big gold players uh, are now looking at copper assets. Um, and the big one Barrick was looking at is, is in Panama. One more that I'd just ask you about, just because I always take a look at it, SCCO, Southern Copper Corp. You know anything about this one? I, I know I keep an eye on it, Frank, so I'd just like to ask you as being more of an expert in this space. Well, you know, I guess one of my favorites is, is Robert Robert Friedland's uh, Ivanhoe Mines, which is the richest, biggest deposit in Africa that's come on stream. Uh, and the Chinese uh, have taken basically control uh, but they're probably going to buy it out 100% not to be public. So I, I think of, uh, from who has a rich deposit and growing cash flow, I would look at companies like that. Um, Southern Copper, uh, it, it's, it, this, these stocks will trade off a of PMI. When that PMI the, this month goes above the three-month average for China, you will see all the copper stocks lift. And when copper goes above that 50-day moving average, the copper stocks start to soar. So they give you almost three to one leverage. So if you want to really deal with the volatility, they take it on the chin when copper corrects and they go on the upside. I love copper gold porphyry deposits because you get two for one. Frank Holmes, American businessman, executive of Blockchain Hive Technologies, and chief investment officer over at U.S. Global Investors, covering the gambit here on uh, 
pre-market prep. Frank, always a pleasure. We'll be down you up real soon. All right. Well, have a wonderful um, July 4th weekend. Enjoy it out in New York, Frank. Have a good time, man. Thanks, Cheers. All right. Let's get back into the market. How we looking right not, now, Joel? Not good. Not good. We leak, got leak, study never, leak. never seen unchanged. I was kind of that, that, that was like a mirage, that 1875 print on the close. The best we could do, do is uh, two bucks, kind of like uh, uh, the opposite of yesterday. Um, NVIDIA just kind of moseying up, Dennis. Uh, and AMD is back above that quad triple bottom that we're talking about. So it would be trying to put in a quad bottom. I mean, I'm looking at the chips and there is the buy the dip mentality happening there. There's a leak in other stocks. Like you're starting to see the financials, which were strong this morning, starting to roll over. Obviously, GIS is putting some pressure on some of the staples. Um, it's just, you know, but then there's a lot of stocks trading higher here too, too today. Like, in, in, and it's sneaky. You know, Netflix is up six bucks here this morning. I'm looking at that one. But Microsoft as well is trading higher. Amazon is in the green. And I think it's because the chips are so weak Gotta that buy they're something. buying non-ship tech. So it's funny how, you know, the rotations just continue here. But we got Amazon. Microsoft, Tesla, Netflix, all trading in the green. Apple's barely down. And I think it's just trying to make up the difference there because NVIDIA is obviously so weak, along with the other chips, that they're looking for non-chippy stuff to buy, even though all these companies use chips. All right, let's get to one last upgrade that I thought was very important here. Wells Fargo upgrading Pinterest to overweight and rising the price target, citing an anticipated boost from the company's partnership with Amazon. And Pinterest has been on a little run here since the beginning of May. It has. Pinterest, um, again, you know, there's been some activist activity in this one for the last year and a half here. Major resistance up here at 28. But, you know, here's a stock that's significantly off of, you know, where it was. I mean, it's not even close. You know, get $88 was, I believe, the all-time high. You're sitting at 26 bucks. So there's a little bit of like, you know, this dip mentality here that, you know, a lot of stocks are starting to turn around and maybe, you know, there's some diamonds in the rough. Um, I'm, I'm, the valuation here has never made sense for me either, but I, you know, it's got an activist in there. Charts showing a little bit of life, just some major resistance are coming in here at 28. Yeah, you got uh, three, four highs right in that $28 area. Uh, first things first, let's take out the pre-market high, $27.72. That's only $0.20 cents away. I think I'd be more inclined instead of trying to sell it or ring the bell. Maybe if it comes back into this $26.50 area, that's a buck away. That'd be uh, uh, three highs in that area. It'd be a little bit of a gap fill. And, um, boy, this is going back a long ways. But didn't... Uh, wasn't PayPal going to buy them? Remember that? That was a long time. Was it PayPal that, that was going after pins? Was there a rumor that? that I feel a long like, time ago. A long I feel time like ago. there was somebody rumored. And they it was just always, killed only just PayPal. Rumors. They just killed PayPal. Was it PayPal? What, was it PayPal? Mitch is looking. The uh, nice thing with the pro yeah, is I'm we'll looking have the history. For it. It I'm was a while ago. I can't, I'm, I'm I can't, dating myself here. I can't find myself. it too much, but uh, I'll, tell you, I'll say one up. thing. I, I think Snap has just been moving with this Pinterest move, and I don't think oh, it's yeah, moving sure. because it by itself, right? And we know how they move side by side. Look at Snap back up there towards 1150. We haven't I talked think. about that much at all, right? There's yeah, life there in Snap. That's a sneaky one here, and it has been showing some life here. It's trading slightly higher here today. Sneaky. Pins continues to hold. There could be a there could be a, a even a day trade here on Snap here today. Keep an eye on that one. 
Yep, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, there's definitely still some uh, downgrades and upgrades that we can talk about. It's 8.55. I did want to leave a couple of minutes here for you guys to drop in some tickers. If there's anything that's on your radar out there, chat, we'd love to help you guys out. Maybe take a look. Um, but we can get into one that was pretty interesting. I saw a downgrade on Regenron to hold and lowering its price target. Uh, been starting to see these biotechs kind of really start taking a hit as of late. Yeah. Um, what do you think about biotechs? I don't like them at all anymore. They're just not looking good. You can see it in the IBB uh, starting to go down pretty quickly here. Well, Regeneron had news yesterday, halted yep. drug news. So you got the analyst chasing price here, which, ah. you know, again, thanks, analyst. Dropped $65 yesterday. Now you downgraded. Thank you so much. Not I haven't looked at the IBB and XBI yet either. What I will say is, and I've talked about this before, is XBI and KRE are related. No. Yeah, no drugs and banks. What do you mean? Well, because all those drugs rely on borrowing money. And as we mm. were worrying about credit, then we know that there's been a positive correlation between the KRE and the XBI. KRE started rolling over about a week and a half ago. XBI started rolling over at the same time. So understand your relationships and you make money. Um, with that being said, KRE had an okay day yesterday. XBI did not. So do we think, you know, there's a potential here for XBI to maybe have put in a bottom yesterday, Joel, 8203? We'll throw it to Joel. Uh, well, first with the Generon, we, we talked about this on the closing print. I had Dennis on for almost 25 minutes yesterday, and he said you got to be careful on the first day on these kind of things because, you know, just the kind of thing that we talked about, you get a, you know, you get a downgrade like that. I've been looking at this, uh, the low from yesterday, 705. You haven't hit that yet. If that could hold, I see some other lows at 700. So we'll let the dust settle on this one. I don't know how much that drug they were factoring in the future earnings. So we'll see if it's a buy the dip opportunity in that one. IBB, big fall from grace here. Uh, you do have, you got to hold in this area right here at 125 and a quarter. You had three lows back at uh, the end of May and this one and also early June. Uh, if that gives way today, then you're looking under 124 for support. But, uh, you know, right now, I mean, they're just uh, just, just kind of out of favor over the last couple of weeks. And this news is certainly not helping things. Just to uh, correct myself, that was back in October 20th of 2021 when PayPal was exploring oh. a mm. uh, oh yeah you, see, oil you can't get one up on Joel Joel knows they, man he, he remembers the end those of things. PayPal was the end of PayPal the beginning of the end what do you think PayPal <laughs> this is the end I wrote PayPal down on my shopping list yesterday Bye. I don't have it but I wrote it down on my shopping list the end it, it's been so beat up and again, completely contrarian call. You're trying to call a turn. But I just wonder if it didn't turn back in May. And then you had the big run up here. And if we don't find some support here around 65, where you can see where we had a little bit of resistance there yeah. at the beginning of bit. June, Joel, then broke out, then come back. I kind of like PayPal for a trade here in the 65s. Yeah. Uh, and that, that coincides, what, you went from 59, let's just call it 10-point move. That make it easy, 64, 65 area. I had the big update here. I... I don't know if that was – I can't remember what it was that day. But I, I agree with you. If this is the move of moves and this is a major long-term bottom here in PayPal, it should hold the 64, 65 area. Yeah, take, I'm going to take a shot. Yeah, the top of the gap is really interesting too if, in fact, it ever can get in in the 70 handle, 69.20 to 69.50. 
You got some room on a gap field. Square's been a little bit perky. Eh, no, it's man, no it's leaked. It's been leaking yeah, with the market. And, and again, this is a tech trade. And tech is leaked. And obviously, Square's leaked a little bit here, too. Still along the square. I put a half-size position in the longer-term portfolio and with a short leash. And it immediately got up in it. It was good. I think yeah. I bought around 62, and then I had the run up to 67, 68. I know you were in this money, Mitch. I think you rang the register, Can't which was good it. to do. Um, I'm still slightly up in it here. Um, I'm looking and thinking, you know, I was, you know, put out, was, was PayPal or, or Square going to hit 75 first? Well, neither looking like 75 now because they both sold off. I, I, I'm still long Square, and I'm thinking about going long PayPal. Okay. All right, that's going to do it for us today, at least for pre-market prep side of things. I'll let Joel O'Connor get out of here. You guys can keep I up with Joel O'Connor pre-market prep plus. Dennis is going to hop also. I yeah. will get you guys over to a great interview coming up right now. Don't go anywhere, team. Stay right here. I got a good one for you guys. I saw in the chat mention on Generac, Generac, Generac. Well, I got something a little bit better for you maybe coming up right now. So don't go anywhere, team. We're about to get into some exciting up dates from Hylion's Investor Day. And a lot of this on this Carno right here, the Carno Generator, fuel agnostic, low maintenance solution, stationary applications. Imagine having reliable power sources outside warehouses, hotels, hospital. Why are you using a generator when the power on the grid goes down versus just using a generator that could be providing your power? And then you could use the grid when your generator goes down. How's about that one? Well, come check this out, guys. I'm about to play this. This exciting interview. This is from Hylion's Investor Day, CEO and founder of Hylion, of course, Thomas Healy. I've actually driven this truck before, so I can tell you right now, I'm super excited about this interview. Let's go ahead and let's get right to it here. Welcome to Benzinga, the channel that brings you the latest and greatest in technology and investment opportunities. I'm your host, Money Mitch, today, and we have an incredible interview lined up for you. I'm thrilled to introduce our guest today, Thomas Healy, the CEO and founder of Hylion, with a strong educational background, right? Mechanical engineering, a double major in engineering and public policy from Carnegie Mellon University. Mr. Healy has been spearheading, of course, the revolution in sustainable transportation solutions. So today we're going to explore the highlights from Hylion's recent investor day just today. And so with groundbreaking announcements and innovations that really have taken center stage here today. So buckle up, get ready to be informed inspired and empowered Benzinga is your ultimate guide to navigating the ever world of technology and investments let's jump right in let's get into the future and discover it together let's bring on Thomas Healy how are we doing today Mitch thanks for having me on again and it's a great day it's investor day 2023 for us first time the company has ever hosted an in-person investor day and we had some exciting news. One was we are starting the first build, the first production unit of the Hypertruck ERX semi truck. So, uh, you know, the the people that are here in person are actually getting to see that build take place. So, really exciting stuff. And then the second thing is we actually leaned in a little more and talked about our Carno generator technology and how that can be used in stationary applications. And we even showed a mock up of what the the size and fit would look like of a stationary generator that can go outside warehouses, uh, hotels, hospitals, and be used to actually be your power source right outside the building. 
That sounds awesome. So let's get right into it, of course, sharing that exciting news about the production of the Hypertruck ERX system and its progress at Hylion headquarters. How's this going, Thomas? It's been great. So, you know, as we spoke about in the uh, the investor day, we, uh, we've had a few years of uh, de design, development, testing, validation of this powertrain solution. We've gone through multiple iterations of this truck to really get it to a point where it's roadworthy for commercial vehicles. And, you know, for anyone that's in the trucking industry, you know that these trucks just, they get the crap beaten out of them, right? Uh, you know, they go into harsh conditions, like think of the ice road truckers, right? Well, these trucks need to be able to work in those sort of environments. So the last few years for us has been really uh, improving the designs, making it uh, better and better so that it can last the duration of a, uh, of a duty cycle of life out on the road. And now we're at the point where we're ready to start actually building trucks that we're going to start delivering to fleets later this year. So we're really pleased with where the technology is at. Mitch, as you know, our whole focus is it's an electric vehicle, but it's a range extender. So what that means is you actually bring a fuel on board the vehicle with you to recharge the batteries as you're driving. So you get many of the benefits of being an electric truck but without the downsides of infrastructure issues, charging time, limited range. You know, our truck can get up to a thousand miles of range because you're recharging as you're going. So the first variant that's going into production is that natural gas range extender variant. And then throughout the day, we spoke about how we've got a hydrogen variant as well, and even our fuel agnostic one, which can run on various fuels. Yeah, you know, I think you guys are the forefront here in your speech recently on the New York Stock Exchange Sustainability Leaders Summit. You know, you mentioned that fleets need to understand that there may not be a single fuel solution. Have you seen any of this progress in this regard? And can you explain this for our viewers out there? Yeah, so fleets are accepting it. Uh, so what I meant by it is for the last however many decades, at least since I've been alive and well past that, uh, it's been a one size fits all solution of diesel trucks, right? You know, that's, that's what 99% of the trucks out there are powered by is diesel fuel. And so as we go into electric, it's not a one size fits all solution. You're going to have plug in electric trucks that use the grid to recharge, but they're going to have various sizes of battery packs. And then you're going to have range extender electric trucks, which is our focus, which means you might have a natural gas refueled range extender, a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, right? You're going to have different types of solutions, but fleets are accepting the fact that like, you know, there's going to be this paradigm shift of we're going to have different trucks for different types of applications within the fleet. And, you know, our whole push is if you're going to shift into electric, you need to be logical with what solution you're going to use based on the duty cycle. So, you know, the examples I like to use are, you know, if you're uh, if you're a fleet that operates in Kentucky, where 70 something percent of the electricity is made by a coal fired power plant, using a BEV plug in truck really isn't helping our environmental goal. Right. Similar to if you're uh, a, a fleet that wants to use a hydrogen fuel cell truck. Well, if there's not a hydrogen fueling station anywhere nearby, it's probably not the logical solution to use right now. That's where we think with natural gas, there's infrastructure built out all across the US. Let's start there. Let's get the shift of electrification happening. And then we can look at, you know, these other types of fuel cell or, uh, or, you know, growing the BEV network as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's just one piece of the opportunity that I think is definitely available that most investors probably just aren't thinking about. So what did Hylion just unveil during the Investor Day presentation, specifically regarding the impressive Carnot generator stationary unit? And how does this product shift contribute to the various use cases 
that you can get into now. Yeah. So what we spoke about today was uh, unveiling what a 200 kilowatt generator is going to look like, kind of the size and shape of uh, of what we're expecting the box to be. Now, to put it into comparison, uh, it's a little bit taller than I am, probably a little bit wider than my wingspan. I'm a pretty big guy. I'm six foot five. Uh, so, you know, it's but in comparison, it's a very small box for a generator that can make 200 kilowatts. Usually, you know, other technologies are anywhere from two times to even up to 10 times the size to produce that same power. Now, what what the Carno is, because many of your viewers probably haven't heard of us talk about this before. So it is a linear heat generator. So we would compete with internal combustion engines or fuel cells, different generator types, right? And the Carno brings forward some really unique benefits. One is it's truly fuel agnostic. The generator can run on nat gas, hydrogen, propane, diesel fuel, gasoline, ammonia, like the list goes on. It can run on a ton of different fuels. It's also uh, just the way it's designed, it's inherently low maintenance. So if you think about you know, putting a generator at back of your house, the only time you're gonna wanna use that generator is if the power goes down and you gotta flip that on, right? Versus with the Carno, our vision is actually, if you deploy a Carno generator, that's gonna be your primary power source and the grid will actually be your backup. So you're gonna, you know, if you're if if you've deployed it out of house, we spoke about that a little today, but deployed it out of house, uh, you would actually be making your own electricity right outside. Uh, and this is, you know, the box that we unveiled today is more of a size for like a, a warehouse, like the facility I'm in. We would uh, we would you only need one of these 200 kilowatt boxes in order to power the whole facility. Uh, and then the other thing is that, that's really neat with it is extremely low maintenance, even when running on conventional fuels and it's quiet. It's actually quieter than like an average conversation between people. So just envision this box sitting out back and it makes all the power for you. Yeah. One thing I can say is uh, the creative solutions that you guys are definitely coming up with, they don't seem to end. And I, I definitely think that you're a big part of that, Thomas. So definitely a shout out to you. Uh, let's get into a little bit more of conversation of fleet conversations, right? Yeah. Um, has any major fleet, like let's say Coca-Cola, Pepsi, some of these companies, big companies expressing interest in Hylion's Hypertruck? Yeah, so we're, we're having great discussions, chatting with a lot of the big fleets here in the U.S. and uh, and even fleets that operate on a global presence. And so where we're at right now is in the past, we had discussed how we, we brought in our initial 200 orders. We got those uh, locked in with uh, early commitments. Well, on our last earnings call, we updated uh, the market and said, uh, we we've experienced some price increases of the uh, the components that we're purchasing from our supply base, and we need to pass those price increases on to our customers. So, uh, so what we're in the middle of doing right now is going back to those initial uh, or expected early adopters and having the discussion with them about you know we need them to take on some of the price increasing uh, price increases uh, as we do the initial deployments here. Uh, those discussions are ongoing; they're going well. Fleets, uh, for the most part, are, are understanding of it. Uh, but you know where we're at right now is we're working on locking in who are going to take those initial 30 unit, units. And then as we go into 2024, we'll look to expand that network as well. Yeah, you know, uh, of course, we've seen the order from uh, the order from delivering to DSV, of course, and uh, how many units uh, will be delivered. I know it's been said to go into 24. Is there any date that we can be looking at towards? 
Yeah. So, uh, with, you know, DSV in particular, we're having good discussions with them right now. I, you know, can't comment on where we're exactly at in the process, but we've, you know, shared the, the news of the price increases to them. And, uh, you know, with all these fleets that are part of the founders program, uh, what we're discussing is, uh, you know, with these initial 30 units, we actually want to even spread it out more than just the initial founders program. Cause look at it from our perspective of, if we only have 30 trucks this year, what our goal would be is we'd rather have you know 15 fleets experience two trucks each as opposed to have one fleet experience all 30 trucks, right? And that'll allow us to, to really prime the market as we go into 2024. So those are the discussions we're in right now. Um, you know, As we said in Investor Day, uh, as we go forward, we'll continue to update the market on where orders stand and expected deliveries. Love it. So what exciting plans does Hylion have for the next version of the Hypertruck ERX platform? Yeah, so it, we've laid out a three-stage roadmap, right? All around range extender vehicles, where we start with a natural gas engine, then we move to a fuel agnostic, which is our Carno, and then a fuel cell. So the next version, uh, that fuel agnostic, What's really neat is, you know, we talked about this stationary generator that can go out back of your building to, to power it. Well, we can use that same exact generator in the vehicle to actually produce power to charge the batteries. So now when you think about like, you know, supply chain and, uh, and growing scale, well, we have one part number basically uh, of a, a Carnot generator that can both go in a truck and in the, the building. And, you know, we think that's going to really allow us to, to just leverage, you know, two different industries, two different markets uh, to grow volume of this technology. And, you know, when we look at the benefits of, uh, of the Carno, we're rivaling efficiencies of some of the best power plants that are being made today out of this pretty small generator. So it kind of begs the question of, well, if you can make your own electricity on site and do it really efficient and cost effective, why wouldn't you, you know, just make your own power as opposed to uh, buying it from the grid? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think this comes to an interesting question, of course, uh, with 40% of the nation's containerized imports passing through, of course, the port of Los Angeles and Long Beach. How do you plan to meet like California's goal of having every dryage vehicle at zero emissions in by 2035 or just considering the challenges here? Um, of course, yeah. do you see maybe fuel cell as a viable alternative here? Yeah. So fuel cell is that stage three of our roadmap. So yes, we do see fuel cell as a viable solution there. A uh, little background on CARB, California, you know, port vehicles. So uh, California has a few different initiatives. One is CARB ACT. Then the second is CARB ACF. Uh, ACT is a mandate on the OEMs. ACF is a mandate on the fleets. Hylion qualifies for credits under both of those programs. So, uh, you know, whether it's our ERX or our Carno or our fuel cell, uh, Carno still in the early innings, but we suspect it'll qualify. Now, as we look at the, the port side of things, they're mandating zero tailpipes at all. So highly confident that a hyper truck fuel cell truck would qualify for that. And then we're hopeful that a Hypertruck Carno will qualify for that as well. Uh, the ERX, we know that will not qualify for that new port initiative, but that's where it's important for us to have this kind of roadmap laid out of, uh, of other solutions that we do have a high confidence that they're going to work for drayage type applications. Great. In your opinion, what are the key challenges that are needed to be addressed by you know, regulation or wherever it needs to be for widespread adoption of sustainable transportation solutions. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it goes back to that, uh, that comment I made earlier of, you know, we've almost been spoiled for the last however many decades of having a one size fits all solution in diesel and diesel's pretty easy for fleets to run and operate. Right. And, uh, and so for Hylion, with our Hypertruck ERX, we actually are offering fleets a cost benefit over the life of the vehicle compared to a diesel truck. And that's because NAC gas, which is what they're going to refuel with, is very inexpensive compared to diesel. But even with that, we still need regulations that are pushing fleets towards adopting these uh, alternative fuel solutions because it's very easy for a fleet to sit back and say, well, why would I change unless I have to, right? Uh, for us, we can give them the benefit of, well, because it can actually save you money, which then that uh, that obviously uh, you know, resonates well uh, for a, a company that's trying to make money. And, uh, and then for these other type of solutions, you need more mandates that are going to tell fleets, hey, if, if you want to keep operating, you have to adopt technology like electric vehicles. Well, last question here. I'll let you go. It's been an exciting day for the investor day. So what have you learned also in the process of getting the ERX to production that you might have not thought about at the beginning of the journey? Yeah, so I always go back to just uh, how difficult and harsh road conditions are that these truck drivers go through. I mean, it is one, they don't have an easy job, right? I mean, it is it is tough being a truck driver, uh, but it's the backbone of our economy in the US here, right? Most of our goods are shipped on trucks. But, uh, you know, if a uh, if it's raining, they're still driving. If it's snowing, they're still out driving, right? They're moving goods all the time. Uh, it doesn't matter in what conditions uh, this stuff is uh, needs to be hauled across the country. And so reliability is key for trucking fleets, right? A, uh, a truck that's not moving isn't making any money. So they need to keep these trucks up and running. And for companies like us that are the suppliers behind the powertrain, we need to make sure that our system is reliable and can work in all those different conditions. Well, thank you for joining us, Benzinga, your go-to source for the latest in technology and investment trends. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Thomas Healy, this visionary CEO and founder of Hylion. I'm going to continue watching this journey. I've seen you guys come from the SPAC days, and I definitely believe in you guys. I, I've driven the truck myself. I think you, you guys definitely made me a believer there, Thomas. So looking forward to seeing more and more from you guys. As we wrap up, remember to stay informed, inspired, and empowered. Benzinga is here to guide you through the dynamic landscape of technology and investments, bringing you the greatest opportunities. Thank you for joining us, and we'll have a great one. Appreciate you, Thomas. Thanks for having me on, Mitch.